know this may come as a bit of a surprise to you, but uh, life isn't always pleasant for me. <laughs> uh, I, I found myself a couple weeks ago in, in just a pretty funky spot. I, I felt off emotionally, I felt off spiritually, and I kind of didn't want to be around people and was just like, whatever. And so I had the privilege of being the taxi for one of my kids' events, and so all their kids are in the car, I get to take them and drive them, and, and instead of coming home, I just kind of decided I would wait for that time, and I went to a diner. And so I pulled out my journal, and I got a table all alone, and as the server came, I, I you know, ordered my meal, and I kid you not, I, I ordered my meal and it sat on the side. I wasn't really hungry. I had no desire to eat. I was frustrated. Um, do you know when you get into an airplane and you don't want people to talk to you, you know how you can ooze the leave me alone thing? Anybody else know how to do that besides me? The face and the, the body posture, the I don't want to talk right now. Um, I, I could do that well and I sat in this diner thinking I was oozing my just back off, please. It, it's okay, give me space. And so for about an hour and a half, my meal sat untouched and I just aggressively started attacking my journal with what was I was feeling, what I was thinking. And my server kept coming over, you okay? I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm good. Yep, I'm good. Short and sweet, leave me alone, without saying it. And so finally, after that time, she came over and she kind of just said, you know, hey, you, you look like you're really working on that journal, huh? Is that what you're doing, you're journaling? And I said, yep. And she said, I, I hope it's been helpful. I just started journaling and it's been really helpful for me. Now, part of me wanted to just smile, nod, and you know, can I have my check so that you can leave me alone? But there was something in her tone in that moment that conveyed something bigger than a tip right, that she was looking for more money in this moment. There was something that was very human to human, a curiosity, a care. And so I, I engaged the conversation and, and I did tell her, I said, you know, this has helped me. It's been amazingly beneficial to see all of this on a page because sometimes when I can't figure out what's going on for the last 25 years, I have journals of me trying to figure it out on paper and seeing it. Sometimes I just need to see all of my thoughts and all of my feels in one spot. And I kind of deflected a little instead of getting into what I was journaling about. And I just asked, so what made you start journaling? And human to human, I knew she knew I cared. And so she began to lean in and tell me her story. And if she didn't have other tables to wait on, I'm positive she would have pulled up a chair um, because she definitely neglected other tables as she told me her story. But it was a moment that I felt was very sacred and holy and she began to tell me that she refers to herself as a recovering Christian, right? She went to a local church in the area that we were for years. And I know this church and celebrate that this church loves Jesus. I know it. And they, they really want to make an impact in their world and in their culture. But when she went through a massive series of struggles in her own life and they started to surface, they, they didn't really know how to help her like she needed. She didn't know what was going on. 
And to be honest, like, listen, I know the church is not a one-stop shop for all of our problems, right? We, that's why I would suggest at birth, everyone should be assigned a counselor. You need this, I need this. It would be very healthy if everyone got a counselor right now. So if you're like, what do I get out of Sunday? Go get a counselor. You need that, right? You need that. Um, because a pastor is not your counselor. A small group leader is not your counselor. A counselor is a counselor. You need that, right? But it, you can't just stop and get everything in the church. And this woman wasn't looking for that. Right? She wasn't looking for everything to be solved, but what I knew was that, as she talked about it, the internal struggles that she was dealing with were very spiritual in nature. And the gospel of Jesus Christ had something to say about these things. And here's what hurt. Right? Here's what hurt and what got my attention. She just said, she said, for years, they kept telling me, remember, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ over and over. And, and I knew that. But I didn't understand that. I heard them, but I had no idea what to do about it. I mean, you want to talk about a moment that will stop your pastor in his tracks. And I began to ask the question, is this what people feel like at Crossbridge? Is, is this what happens here? I know people have left this community because of theological differences, and that I understand. And we celebrate that. We try to bless people if they leave um, because there's theological differences and we can't work it out. It's like, hey, we'll love you and we'll bless you. But, but I, I wondered if people left feeling like this woman felt that people who have shown up here to sit next to you and to me who are deeply hurting in their life only to be told over and over, this is who you are in Christ, this is who you are in Christ, without ever, you know, like here's your, you know, take your next step without ever teaching someone, here's how you learn to walk. Here's what that means. I can tell you in that moment, I almost asked for two to-go containers, one for food and one because I felt like I was going to throw up. I know I didn't talk on the way home when I was driving for the next two or three days. I was as silent as could be because I, 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 I was shook all about me. I didn't know what to do. I just kept wondering, are we really helping people in our community and in our church take their next steps towards Jesus? Or are we just gathering in a middle school gym on a stage where they can do Kingsway Idol and plays and people are here for another theatrical performance, except now we say Jesus. I think this is a crucial question that we should be asking ourselves. Am I really learning to walk with Jesus every day of my life, and am I inviting others to walk with me? If you've been following Jesus for a while, maybe, maybe the better question or more difficult question for you to ask right now is, does my faith in Jesus look any different today than it did three years ago? Does it look any different? If all, all of our relationships with people change over time, for better, for worse, we know that they do, won't our relationship with God change as well? Wouldn't we expect that if this is communion with him and conversation with him? How different does your relationship with Jesus look in the last three years? So at the risk of sounding redundant, and like I have nothing left to preach on in this giant book, no matter where you are in your faith journey today, my hope is that you are taking one step towards Jesus. My hope is that you, every single week and every day, are learning to walk with Jesus wherever your feet take you in the average day. 
I know this about Jesus as I read his story. Jesus was all about walking with people. When he was born on this earth and, and, and was incarnated and looked like you and me, he walked with people 2,000 years ago, and I don't think he's changed one bit. He still walks with us. And before he ever gained this like, large following of people who were like, yeah, we're in, he began inviting people one by one to follow him. We see this in, in his biography, written by the tax collector, tax collector, one of his disciples, Matthew, um, in the book that Jeremy read from us or for us this morning. We see in chapter four, in verse eighteen, it just simply says, "One day Jesus was doing what?" Okay, well, let's talk back here a little bit. Okay, one day, as Jesus was. Walking, good, you see what he's doing here. He's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. They followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them too. And he called to come, too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Do you notice what Jesus is doing when he comes across these fishermen? He is walking along the shore. Now, if you're from New Jersey, this makes sense to us. If you are joining us online, not from New Jersey, um, when we go over the summer and we're going to go down to play in the ocean, we go to... The shore. We do not go to the beach. You can go to the beach. We're going to go to the shore. And so Jesus, he's got a little jersey here. I like that, right? Um, and, and if he were uh, having an online dating profile here, it would probably be something like, I have a complex family dynamic. I love carpentry, turning water to wine, and, you know, long walks on the shore. It, this is him right here, right? He isn't, and what I love about Jesus, in any rush whatsoever. He is in no rush He's hanging out on this very shore that you see. This very shore right here. I had the privilege of taking this picture when I was hanging out there, and literally, you don't need to rush. You don't need to run. You just hang out and walk. And as he's walking, he looks at this shoreline, and he sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew. And he says to them, come follow me. Does he get them and then run to the next place? No, as he was walking along the shore, as he continued to walk. He never tells them to hurry up. He actually meets them where, right where they're at. And then what's great is, I love what he says to Simon. He doesn't ask them to hurry up and be full disciples of him, to know all that he's about to do. He just says, listen, I, I know that you're a fisherman. I get this. You're doing this. So when you follow me and we walk together, I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. What the heck does that mean? Could you imagine hearing that, if you're Simon and hearing that? That doesn't make any sense to him, but step one was not learning how to do it. Step one was follow me. Step one, his first step, was getting out of the boat. It was walking with him. And as they walked that shoreline, there's other people. James, John, come, follow me. When he asks James and John to follow him, I'm pretty sure Simon in that moment went, oh, catching men. Fishing for, 
wait a second, did Jesus, do you think he had to explain what he meant then? No, I think he immediately showed him what he meant. The way that he lived, the way that he spoke, the way that he loved. And for the next three years of ministry, you know what Jesus did? He walked. He walked with people wherever he went. He taught his disciples not only in the words that he had, but what he chose to do and what he chose not to do. For like a thousand days around this area, a thousand days, the disciples walked with him every day, one step at a time, into very certain and very uncertain situations, stuff that made no sense to them. And during those thousand days, Jesus simply was teaching them how, how to walk. Sometimes these disciples, these chosen ones, his chosies, right? They're saying to him in this moment, hurry up, get moving. We need to hurry and, and get on. And he's like, no, we're not hurrying. No, we don't even need to go to that place. Because if you are in a rush, can I tell you what happens? If you're in a rush, you miss the people on the shore. If you're in a rush, you'll miss the woman in the crowd, the woman at the well. You'll miss the miracle at the wedding party. You'll miss the feast that's like no other at the tax collector's house. You'll miss the chance to invite the person who's alongside you, with you, in front of you, beside you to say, will you walk with me and follow me as I follow Christ? Will you take this walk and take one step towards Jesus? And when Jesus walked, it was always with purpose. He had his eyes set on purpose. Whatever the father wanted, he would do, and he would do this even when it cost him. Because do you know what he did? He walked, and he walked willingly to the cross to confront death face to face, And when the disciples in that moment, you know what they did? They stopped walking and instead they started running and they ran in every direction away from Jesus because this was too unpredictable. This was too hard. They ran away and on Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, there was a follower of Jesus who was still walking. She was still walking. And on Sunday morning, she walked to a tomb. Mary Magdalene walked towards Jesus where he was buried, but you know what? He wasn't there, you know why? Because Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, had walked victoriously out of that grave. That's what he did, he did. He wasn't there because he is not finished walking with us. Are you with me on this? Do you understand that he has not stopped walking? He is still walking. And he wasn't even finished teaching the disciples at this point. It's not even like after a thousand days, he's like, good, you got it. You see me resurrected, we're good. No, actually, Dr. Luke, when he does his biography of Jesus, he interviews all these people. And in Luke chapter 24, he says, it it reads this, as they, and they're talking about some disciples here, as they did what? As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and he did what? He began began walking with them. Then Jesus took them through. Can I tell you, that's the, the pastoral. He walked them through is what he did. No rush here. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
He never, ever expected them to have it all together. He simply walked them through the, the Bible, their Old Testament, their Hebrew scriptures. He walked them through the law of Moses to help them understand step by step because he had a very clear plan for their next steps. Up to this point, they've been following him, but he was about to leave them to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he was very specific about their next steps as disciples. And this is the passage that Jeremy had read for us when we started. And in verse 16 of Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. The disciples who walked with Jesus for a thousand straight days or more, they saw everything, including his death and his resurrection. And we read about how they meet him, they listen to him, they go to the mountain to worship him, and yet still, some of them doubted. Doubts and questions don't disqualify you from being a disciple. They do not disqualify you from walking with and towards Jesus. We all have doubts. We all have these questions in different areas of our life. I totally get that. But these are areas where we're invited to step with Jesus and to grow in them, not hide them or shame them. How in the world can we expect to learn to walk with Jesus? In our time today, if, if we are giving God, let's just say an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, how can we really expect to be in step with Jesus? If this is like, you know what, I've, I've given you that time on Sunday. If you were the all-star and you came 52 weeks a year, that, that's like 78 hours total. Now, you got to like fight band parking all right, we'll give you a little buffer there. Show some grace. Maybe you got some vacations planned. We'll give you one or two sick days if you're the all-star. You're still just about three days is what that comes out to. Three days in a year. That's less than 1% of our year that we would say, but I showed up. But I was present. I sang songs. And then, and then I, I listened to the message. That's like sometimes a half hour. Jim, if he keeps really going, he goes 40. You know, he, who knows if he really gets going. It's just, that should count all week. If the disciples were not fully formed into the image of Christ after a thousand days with Jesus, how in the world can we expect our faith to grow if this right here, if this moment is all the time that we say we're spending with him? If this is all the time that you spend with Jesus in your week, his next steps will be impossible for you. You will not be able to accomplish it. It will be outside of your capacity because this will involve complete dependence on him every day to do this. Because instead of making it ambiguous like he did with Simon saying, go fish for people. Like, no, he makes it as clear as could be. In verse, six, or in verse 18, he says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this. Know this. I am with you always 
even to the end of the age. Jesus' next steps for us are clear. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples all the things that I've taught you. Everything that Jesus says our calling is to teach people these things. And we can do this not because we're awesome. Not because we have this great, you know, ability to tell it. No, no, no. We could do this because Jesus says, I am with you always. You will not step into a new place as you're going. You will not walk into a new situation where I am not with you. But if we are not spending time with him, we will miss him everywhere we go. It's as clear as could be he's with us. Crossbridge, it is time to get walking. It is time to get walking, and as we walk, as we go, we are called to make disciples. Let's be real. I, I know this is so easy to say, and I say it a lot, but it is one step, one step, one step, and I'm still haunted and want to throw up by thinking to have people left Crossbridge, have people left our community feeling like my server who was so deeply hurt and told over and over, take a step, take a step. And no one said, can I teach you to walk? You've been laying there and people have been teaching you and yelling at you, but no one has said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, gold and silver I do not have, but stand up and walk with me. In the name of Jesus, walk with me. We have to learn how to walk, and if we don't learn how to walk, why would anybody follow us as we follow Christ? It's time to get out of our seats, off of our couches. Couches, You cannot go if you're sitting. It just doesn't work that way. I've tried very hard to make the messages and, and uh, the time that we spend in the Word very practical, and, and I know there are times that I miss the mark, and I ask for your forgiveness in those times, but here's also what I know. I cannot force you to walk with Jesus. I can't. That's up to you. You have to do that. I would love to be able to guide you. To help point you more towards Christ if you find yourself fading. And it's like, help me out. Sure, Lord. That's what I ask of you. We do this together, but I'm telling you, for those of us who have decided, I want to follow Jesus, Sundays will never be enough. They'll never be enough. And the reason they'll never be enough is because you were designed for so much more. And what the enemy would love to do is to tell you that your time, your energy is more important for your stuff than God's stuff. That you need to hurry up and become perfect. Hurry up because you should be further along in your walk with Jesus than you are now. And, and, and if you can't get to that place, it's not even worth doing. So just sit down. Relax on the side of the path. What I know is we're designed for so much more. And that means that your spiritual formation and mine does not happen on a Sunday morning. It happens Monday through Saturday. Sundays are for celebration. 
when we sing holy is the Lord our God together. And, and this is your time of spiritual formation is during the week. And that term spiritual formation may be new to some of you. And uh, if you've never heard this term before, one of uh, my favorite authors, uh, his name's Robert Mulholland. In his book, Invitation to a Journey, he describes spiritual formation in an amazing way. He just says spiritual formation is the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. And when we talk about people taking their next steps here at Crossbridge, this definition, this right here, is what we have in mind. Are we taking steps in our faith, stepping into the process of being formed into the image of Jesus Christ? Not for our sake, but for the sake of, the, the sake of others. This isn't to be a better person or to have a better life. This is because we are called to go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do as we walk. This is so that we can live out our life, this great commission, this sending that Jesus has given us. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I am giving you the Holy Spirit to go with you. Our goal at Crossbridge is to go and make disciples, to be with Jesus, make disciples. We want to love God. We want to love people. And we want to serve the world. This will never happen when we stand still. And if this is a process, guess what? That means we've got space to grow, don't we? Your formation into the image of Christ will not be complete until one day after you die. So hopeful, isn't it? Thanks, that was encouraging. Actually, here's what's so encouraging about it. The enemy tells you you need to be perfect now, and God says, I'm working things out in you. One area is enough at a time, believe me. There's plenty of space to work on, amen? I'm assuming your life looks like mine till I'm sure the very last breath I have on my deathbed, I'm praying there's areas of life I'm asking Jesus to help me die well because I'm selfish in ways. Right? We can always be conformed to the image of Christ. And this will not happen at once. It will happen over time. One step at a time. And over the last couple of months, I'm so thankful that as um, part of our leadership team, some of our elders and our staff have been working through what does it mean for Crossbridge to be spiritually formed? And we have met about this. We have talked about this. We have prayed through this. And we're starting as a church to kind of think through, maybe, maybe there's five different areas that we can grow and look at our lives and say, is this being formed into the image of Jesus? And the reason we're doing this is because we think that everybody's got a different place to grow in, Okay. Wherever the Holy Spirit directs you to take your step may not be for the person next to you. As a matter of fact, it usually isn't. It usually isn't because then somehow we think we're teaching people when we're dealing with things. No, no, no. We're called to submit to Christ and he's going to work in us. And so the list that we have of these five areas, it's not exhaustive. It's our beginning point of where we're beginning to think of these areas, but we wanted to make it as simple as could be for our church. So my hope, if you're joining us in online or you're here in person, you will not be able to leave today saying, I didn't know what's that. I didn't even know what to do with this. Like, what, what, I... And this tool that we're helping to create, my hope is you now have something in your hands similar to our 40 days walking through the Bible of soap that you, if someone says, 
where do I even begin with following Jesus? You could say, well, and have some framework for that, okay? So very quickly, these five areas, I would love to ask yourself right now, I'd love for you to ask yourself, how am I doing in this? And the first is celebrate big, celebrate big. And you can see all of this on our website, crossbridgecc.org. You can go to the next steps, and this is where it's going to be, because that's our spiritual formation area. But when we talk about celebrating big, here's what we, we mean by that is we believe that worshiping God together is important. But together in big groups is crucial. There is something about hearing the chorus of voices around us. I am sorry you have to hear my voice sometimes, but I love worshiping big. I love this. I love celebrating big. But our gatherings in places like this, when we come together, they give us a, pa a place to publicly glorify God. We see examples of this all over the Bible, all over the Bible, that there are times where we can celebrate big. Jesus goes to weddings. That's celebrating big. He goes to temple on a regular basis to celebrate big. There are baptisms that happen, and what do they do? They celebrate big in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Over and over and over, Jesus demonstrates being around with larger groups of people is good to point all things publicly back to a God who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. I feel like as followers of Jesus, maybe we miss this sometimes, and we don't always celebrate well. I think we need to be good party people. We need to be party people. We gotta learn to throw some good parties, amen? We, we gotta throw some parties. So and if for you party planners out there, let's, let's up our game here. Help us throw big parties together. Let's throw big parties. The second area, how am I doing in this, is connecting small. Jesus not only celebrated big, but he, he did connect small. He had his group of, of 12 men and then a collection of women who followed him. And even from that group, he had his three tightest friends who were there. They met together from the very beginning in the Old Testament all the way through to when the church starts, meeting in homes together. They enjoyed each other's company. They always had meals. They, they leaned on each other all the time. When life was difficult, they knew how to support each other. We're called to meet in smaller communities where we can truly live life together. In a large community, you're not going to know the story of most of the people who are here. Totally cool. That's why we need smaller communities so that you know someone's story. They know yours, and we can sharpen each other, encourage each other, bless each other. And when we connect small, we find that we actually have real authentic relationships and something we desperately need in life right now, friends. Men, I'll speak to you specifically really quick. We are the worst at connecting small and terrified by it. And most men that I know have no friends. They have acquaintances, buddies. They don't have friends. We need each other so much. I'm so grateful for my friends here. We need friends. And counting like I'm hanging out with my spouse's friend, you know, their spouse's husband, that's not friends. That's like putting up with each other. We all do it. You need friends. You need friends. The third area is walk with Jesus. And it's like, how did Jesus demonstrate walk with Jesus? Uh, like this. <laughs> um, he had a regular rhythm with the Father. 
with the Holy Spirit. He was attentive. He was in scripture. He was in worship. He, he knew these spiritual practices of fasting and prayer and silence and solitude. This is one of the reasons we soap together as a church is this is one of those steps that people could take to grow in how they walk with Jesus. This is where you will have to probably do a little bit more hard work is what are the steps that you take in this and what spiritual disciplines or practices can you bring into your journey that help you encounter Jesus? I know we don't always feel like spending time with him. It's not always super emotional. It feels like a waste of time sometimes. I get it. But it's crucial that we learn how to take these steps just like the disciples did. When we learn to be in step with Jesus, you will see him everywhere around you. Everywhere. Everywhere. The fourth place is to find your place. Um, find your place. We're in a big group. You need to be with each other. We're in small groups. We're walking with Jesus. But we do this together. And, and we believe that when you find your place, even here at Crossbridge, where is the place that you could plug in? Because we need you not to serve somewhere, but we need you to be part of this body to encourage, bless, and use the gifts that God has given you. If you've placed your hope and trust in Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. You have gifts that are, you are supernaturally empowered to do ministry with to build up the body. Use them well. Use them well because we need that together. For some of you who are creative, you were the first to sign up for trunks to trunk or treat. We have like, what is it? You said 25 trunks right now? This is awesome. Praise God for that. How cool would it be if we're sitting there on the side and it's like, I don't really know what to do in this church. What can I do? Listen, you could create a trunk. That's really easy. You're finding your place and all of a sudden you're going to realize this is actually fun. This place is not bad. And you party people help us do that. We all need each other so much to do this. If we're going to impact our world, we cannot do this. Do not rely on the staff and do not rely on the board and elders to think they'll make this happen. You make this happen. You are the church. We get the privilege of leading it, but you are doing it. It's not my job. It's yours. If you're not using your gifts, shame on you. Use them well for the glory of God. If you don't know your gifts... We can help you find that and take your step. If you start plugging in somewhere and you're like, this was the worst. Wonderful. You're not committed to this for life. We'll find you a new place so that you feel empowered to do what you love for the gospel. The last thing is engaging in the mission. He's called us to go and make disciples of all nations. That means it's more than just finding a place to serve in Crossbridge in different ways. This is where our life begins to transform to be pointed towards Jesus in our neighbors' lives, in our community, and around the world. It's why we invest so deeply around the world and locally in saying, it, trunk or treat is for fun, right? We're doing this for fun. It's great. But I could tell you there are families who are here at Crossbridge because they had fun and they needed it. And then when crisis hit, they said, that place, I played games there, and they seemed like they liked being together. We're on mission, even in Trunk or Treat. We're on mission when we send teams around the, the, the world. We're on mission when you were in a life group and you were coloring bags as haphazardly as you can for Together We Rise this week. You were on mission. And it's our job to engage in the mission both locally and globally here at Crossbridge. And my fear is simply this in closing. My fear is we know about Jesus but we do not understand him. My fear is that we know about Jesus, 
but we never grow to live, to love, and to look like him. My fear is that we know about Jesus, but we never tell anybody about him. I don't want you to know Jesus. I want you to be in the process of being formed into his image for the sake of others so that your marriages will look different, your relationships in school will look different, your relationship with your neighbors and in-laws and extended family and at work, it all looks so different because you look more like Jesus for the sake of others. This is our next step, but your next step is your choice. So to help you figure this out, um, a QR code is gonna pop up online, it's gonna pop up um, on these screens. If you want to scan this, you can. If you want to do this later, you can go ahead and jump online into our next steps uh, page. And here's the deal. There are five questions that we would say, go ahead, fill this out. No one's going to know all your answers and stuff. You just kind of get to measure yourself. How am I doing in, in these areas that Jimmy mentioned? How am I doing in this? And, and be honest. Ask the Holy Spirit, how am I really doing here? You don't have to lie. No one's looking at your answers, okay? Be honest. And then it'll generate a simple report to send back to you. Say, you know, based on where you are, here are some of our suggestions of different ways that you could take a step forward in your faith. Take a step forward. Your step will look different than the person next to you, and that is beautiful. It's beautiful. Because that means you can encourage them in their step. And they can encourage you in yours, because we do this together. Amen? Let me just give you a minute. And you can just look there for a second because one of the things that we will do is celebrate and receive communion. And we do this because we take a step every week. I'm so glad to have it up in front. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, we invite you to take communion and to receive this together. If you have not chosen to follow Jesus, we completely respect and ask that you would not come and receive communion as scripture is very clear that it's like you're eating and drinking your own condemnation and we love you and do not want that for you because you're amazing and created in the image of God. But for those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus, he says, would you come? It's up front so that you would take a step. That it's an intentional move to come forward, to surround this table with the people that you know are taking steps with you that are not content, but saying, I will sit, I'll soak this all in. You keep doing that, you do nothing but sour. We've got enough of those followers of Jesus in our culture. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. Not now, where everybody has to be saved. What one step could we start going? Let's spend a moment and ask God what that could be. And then I'll invite you to receive. Jesus, I thank you that you've learned to walk 
when you were on this earth, just like we've learned to walk. And then you invited, when you began ministry, to invite the most ragtag group of people to follow you who didn't get along, who had different views on everything, and asked some of the dumbest questions in their thousand days. And yet you chose them because you knew that you could do more through a group of people who are willing to admit they don't have it all together, who would admit that we have room to grow, who would admit we have questions and don't know what to do with this. And you said, that's perfect. I can change the world with them. And here we sit as broken people with areas of our lives that don't match up with the way that you, Jesus, truly live, love, and look. And, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring clarity and discernment into our life. Where what's, that, what's that one step? That you would not allow, and we pray against the lies of the enemy that say, you've got to take all these steps and things. No, that's not it. Right now, it's the one step. And, and God, for those who are fearing taking that now and saying, I don't want to do this, would you bring hope and encouragement? Would you bring uh, the ability for us to to really step large or small, and when we fail, would we fail with flair, knowing you're there to pick us up, but we've tried to step towards you. Holy Spirit, help us do what we cannot do on our own, and that is be conformed to the image of Christ. So in this moment, we collectively step to receive communion. We step forward, and as we step, it's our commitment to say, I want to look like Jesus, and I'm going to figure this out with, with this group of crazy people, and I'm going to figure out with a smaller group of crazy people. <sighs> all right, let's do it. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. Holy Spirit, speak to us this week. Speak to us now as we step in Jesus' name.